even though every yeah. German person I've ever met speaks better English than people I went to school with. I thought you were going to say speaks better English than Americans. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I wouldn't. It's true. Uh, I'm, I'm very much outnumbered in that conversation. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Bayern Munich gave a much better showing of themselves this past weekend, beating Cologne 4 0 away from home, in large part thanks to a hat trick from the 2021 FIFA men's best player, Robert Lewandowski. But it was really Corentin Tolisso's goal that stole the show, and with another impressive performance from the Frenchman, maybe it's time to start considering extending his contract in Munich. Well, I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about all of that and more with my friends, Garrett Kerber. Hello, hello. Tim Richards. Hello there. And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Well, Bayern Munich were uh, a lot more fun to watch this past weekend than they were uh, the one before. We had uh, maybe not all of our, our best players back, not all of our starters back, but we were able to field a, a much more, I guess, formidable team than we did against Gladbach. And, and of course, the result uh, shows that Robert Lewandowski, he got a hat trick. He was on fire. Um, Thomas Muller, though, arguably could have been considered the man of the match. He was all over the place. He picked up two assists. Uh, Leroy Sané came in off the bench. He he grabbed two assists as well. Uh, and then Quentin Talisa, like I said, obviously had a, a really, really good game. And um, before we get to the Talisa conversation, I think we'd be doing a disservice to Thomas Muller if we didn't mention him here uh, to, to kind of kick things off. He grabbed his 16th Bundesliga assist for the season, 16th assist of the season already. Um, he's, at this point in the season, just five off of his and the Bundesliga's all-time record for assists in, in the season. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I just don't think that he's really being talked about enough. I mean, obviously Robert Lewandowski has been incredible for the past couple of years, and um, even he struggles sometimes to get the recognition that we may think he deserves, but... Thomas Muller obviously just, I think, isn't being talked about enough in any space at all. And so, um, Tim, I want to start with you. A pretty simple question, but Thomas Muller, is he is he the best creative player in the world right now? Yeah, he's, um, I guess, like, statistically, yes. Um, if he, if he, obviously, statistics can be so misleading. But I think even if he isn't, he's certainly right up there I, I think maybe other people have a have like a bigger impact on the game as a whole like I guess guys like Bernardo Silva are like supremely talented and are, you know adapting to to different roles on the pitch and being used kind of like everywhere whereas Thomas Muller's slightly more consistent with what he um with what he offers on the pitch um but the the way that he's playing is is really fantastic. I think like both him and Lewandowski now, like the, I guess like the wrong side of 30, which is very strange to consider Thomas Muller anything over than 23. Like I've, this is a guy whose entire career I've seen. And it's so weird that he's 32 now and, and has become, oh, he's, he's been this for a while, but like he's, he's become a leader on and off the pitch. I, I don't know if you've seen the, the Amazon documentary, but the impact that he has not just on the pitch 
Um, but like in in the locker, like when he's when he's not on the pitch, but the team is still playing, he's he's there. He's so involved in everything. It's really really great to see, and at the same time, not at all surprising. Um, but to to go back to what I was just about to say, it's maybe a bit surprising to see that both him and Lewandowski are you know at an age where typically players start to slow down, and they seem to be the best that they've ever been. I think if I, I guess like his his goal scoring isn't what it used to be because um, I remember he was like regularly getting like I think there was a, there was a period where he would get thirteen goals a season like every, every season uh, and then uh, like a few either side of that and then it was under Ancelotti everything kind of started to fall apart and he went through that bad run of form and then really struggled to get back to it. And then there were talks of, okay, do you just let his contract run out? Like, do you don't really want to sell him? Uh, and then there was the whole thing with Kovac wanting to like move away from it. What Thomas Muller's done to kind of turn all of that around and get back to fantastic form is truly commendable. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what sort of, future he has he has in mind i don't know how many years he's going to be playing for Bayern. i think at this point if he wants a contract extension for however many years then he can probably ask for it because he doesn't really look to be slowing down at any point much in the same way that that uh, the Lewandowski is as well um it's it's just really useful that these two guys that work so well together just keep getting better and better it's it's really great and they, and they both deserve the plaudits, of course, but I, th- I think you're right to say that Thomas Muller certainly deserves more than he's getting. You talked about how he isn't so much of a goal scorer anymore. You know, he may be this great creator, but um, he's not getting the goals like he used to. Sebastian, do you think that is a result of Robert Lewandowski, uh, I guess, kind of emerging into the player that he was? Because before that, uh, when Muller was at Bayern, there wasn't really necessarily a star striker. There were some good strikers, Mario Gomez, Mandzukic, um, but not someone you know of the truly, truly elite caliber of Robert Lewandowski. Uh, so do you think that may play into it? Do you think that this has been an intentional shift from Thomas Muller in the way that he approaches a match? Uh, or you know what's going uh, on there? I feel like this is probably a thing that uh, Thomas Muller has created along with uh, some of the elite managers we have seen at Bayern. Uh, He kind of has developed this role uh, kind of in cooperation with uh, people like Heinke and Flick and and Nagelsmann, I think, because because it's very obvious that uh, Thomas Müller kind of has uh, some of the same strengths uh, that still show up that we already saw in a very young Thomas Müller, but he just definitely has changed how he uses this these skills on the field there's really no mistaking that i mean uh when we look at some of the numbers uh he's has for a long time been one of the uh top guys in terms of assists in international football but also um his numbers right now are just off the charts right so uh he's already uh kind of uh, i think on top with his 21 um but he he looks like he's c- going to completely smash that this time right so yeah this this is incredibly uh incredibly impressive i must say and 
uh, it's definitely worth getting fewer goals if you're getting uh, these numbers. And I think you cannot uh, overstate the importance of this. And he would probably look even better if we had even better metrics uh, to measure what he's doing on the field. Because he's very good at assists, but he also does a lot of stuff that doesn't lend itself as well to showing up in any kind of metrics that we are uh, right now uh, able to do uh, regularly. Mm. So I think this doesn't even give you uh, the complete picture necessarily, um, uh, which I think not everybody agrees. I, I read that like not even once, but several times recently uh, when there was a debate about uh, who Bayern will have to replace in the nearish future, I guess. Uh, and the names that come up there are uh, Neuer, Müller and Lewandowski. And kind of a bunch of people seem to agree that Müller is going to be the easiest one to replace. Hmm. I kind of see where this this can be coming from, because we definitely have other players who can play a position that he's kind of playing. Um, I'm, I'm phrasing this in this weird way, because uh, uh, maybe um, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit tired today but also uh, because i want to uh, want to make a point here uh, because uh, what i'm getting at is that um while other players of course can play in the middle in this system they can play behind robert lewandowski basically they i, I don't see any player who can give us what thomas muller is giving us and uh, and i think we need to uh, we need to see that and and we need to realize that it's not just about getting any uh, well, central player in the offensive midfield, or kind of as a uh, as a second kind of striker. Sometimes we, we're not just looking for someone in this uh, partnership with Lewandowski in in uh, in the center. That this is just not enough, right? This is not necessarily go going to replace what Thomas Müller is giving us. And I think, well, getting a good goalkeeper is expensive, but it's very doable. Getting a good striker is even more expensive, but it's doable. And I don't think that Robert Lewandowski, for example, is... Mm, there's nothing that he's giving us that other players couldn't. It's just that he's very good at giving us these things we are asking him to do. But there are others that could give us, well, very similar things at least. And with Thomas Müller, I think this is a much larger question mark. So it's kind of different. It's hard to get a goalkeeper that's as good as Manuel Neuer. It's expensive and it's hard to get a striker that's as good as Robert Lewandowski. But with Müller, the question is quite different. You can get a very good player for his position, but is that going to work? That's the important question. Is that going to, to work in the system or is this going to mean that we're going to have to change a lot of things to make this work? And yeah, this is well, I, I would not say that this is necessarily the, the easier thing to do there. Um, therefore, yes, very impressive what he's doing, and he's even only getting better. I expect him to reach something like 25, maybe 30 assists this season, and this is just going to be huge. Just nobody has done that. It's so It's so extremely... Good. It's so much better than what we have seen from him or from other players in the in the past that you're kind of going to have to wonder 
what changed that he can have so many assists? Like, has football changed in the last five years or something to make this possible? Or has he gotten so much better? Or has there been a slight switch in how these statistics are uh, coming together? Or whatever. It's this good, I would say. Yeah, I think the simplest answer to that is I think he's just gotten better. But I, I want to kind of talk about that. Um, maybe I'll call it the longevity kind of topic about um, how much time the, these main players have, these big players, I guess, have left in them. Uh, and I guess with Thomas Muller, you can make the argument that maybe he'll be the easiest to replace because we already he's the one player out of the our, our three real true veterans that we have already made replacement ready uh, in Jamal Musiala. Um, but I kind of want to shift gears a little bit, and I'll turn this question to Garrett, but anyone can feel free to jump in. When you're looking at Thomas Muller, he's only gotten better and better over the past few years, um, and, and we talk about this with Lewandowski sometimes too, but it begs the question, how much longer does he have at this level? I mean, because he is, it does seem that he's still on a slight upward trajectory. Maybe he's right at the top, but how long um, can we expect him to be performing at this level? For me, um, I I could see him being this good or at least near this good for another four or five years, just strictly based on the fact that the way that he plays and, and kind of what, what I think Sebastian was getting at is all the things that come along with having a Thomas Muller on your team, um, be it uh, mentality-wise, uh, just just team-oriented, uh, uh, the team chemistry wise, uh, I think all those things are what make him so unique as a player. And, and it's not so much his athleticism, uh, which he, which is, he has, um, it, it's kind of deceiving. Uh, and he runs kind of a funny way. He's not the biggest, uh, most muscly guy. I mean, like you look at him and you don't see a player that, you would think is a good footballer, but that whole, uh, the Ram Deuter, uh, thing is so key to what makes him so special. He knows how to find those spaces. He knows how to manipulate those spaces. And because of that, he could be this good for a lot longer than maybe a Lewandowski could, who I think, you know, even though he is getting up there in years, as far as a striker goes, he he's still doing a lot of this based on just being athletic and more um more disciplined than 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 others and and so you can see him hitting a wall and just dropping off because now all of a sudden he's getting bodied up by uh center backs and he can't get behind them he can't get up high enough to get headers things like that and and with Neuer same sort of deal I mean, I think, um, actually, I'm glad Tim brought up the Amazon uh, documentary because I, I love that thing. Um, and, and watching them talk to Oliver Kahn about how uh, he just he just couldn't do the things he could do he used to be able to do. I think the same sort of situation with Manuel Neuer is that it's at a certain point, the Manuel Neuer we all know and love is not going to be able to do the, the things at the same level uh, that, that we're used to seeing. And, and so it, it, you can see that tailing off a lot quicker, but 
as far as knowing where to be, how to get there, how to get the ball to places of space where where guys are filling, that those are skills that I think can last well into the 30s. I don't know that we're going to want to have a Thomas Muller running out around out there at 38, but but 35, 36, that doesn't seem all that bizarre to me. I don't think that we that you're going to want to you know be putting everything through a 36 year old Thomas Muller. But that being said, the skills that he has and the things that make him special are things that should be still there. Um, in, in, in a few more years, whereas the other guys, it, I, you could see that dropping off real fast. Um, so I just think that Thomas Miller is such a unique player that um, while, while you said, like you guys both said, there are other midfielders um, on Bayern Munich that can fill those, his position and play really well. But the whole Bayern-ness of... Thomas Muller is really what sets him apart. And I think his ability to manipulate space, to find spaces is what's really shining in these later years of his career. Um, and, and you see it in, in the number of assists, assists he's getting. Um, and it seems like based on, you know, the, those big chances created stats. I mean, if he creates a big chance, it's ending up in the back of the net. It, it very rarely does he create a big chance that guys don't finish because he's just putting people in such great positions? That's going to continue, I think. Yeah, I think that's all great points, and especially when you talk about Mueller, it's always the intangibles that set him apart: the the positioning, the the mental knowledge, the um, putting putting other players where they should be and stuff. But I think to just add one thing, technically, like on with his technical skills, he's only gotten better and better as he's aged. Now obviously he's not the most technically proficient player. He's no, you know, Neymar or, or some great dribbler or anything like that. But he is a lot better than he was at, you know, Tim mentioned thinking Thomas Miller's twenty three. He's a lot better now technically than he was at twenty three. Maybe he's lost a step uh in his speed, but I mean overall definitely a, a much better player. Uh, but let's t- move on from from Thomas Miller, talk a little bit about another player's future at the club and Last week, we were able to discuss Kingsley Coman's contract extension, kind of give our thoughts on that. And so today, I want to talk a little bit about another Frenchman whose contract is set to expire pretty soon, and that's Quentin Tolisso. Uh, now, since coming back from injury, Tolisso, I think, has really stepped up. He's filled in in the midfield in the absence of uh, Joshua Kimmich at times, Leon Goretzka at others. And then, of course, this weekend, um, did what he usually does about once a season, and that scored a fantastic goal after a great play with, with Thomas Muller on the on the right side over there. But um, Tim, we haven't had this conversation with Taliso for a while because it did kind of seem like the answer had already been given. But now that he's been playing a little bit better, now that he's getting more consistent, and also uh, Julian Nagelsmann seems to really be a fan of his. Do you think it's time for the club to sit down and seriously consider extending his contract beyond the summer, trying to keep him at the club? Or do you think his, uh, his injury history and the risk is just simply too high? I, it's too high. Um, I, I love Toliso and I think to go back very briefly about what makes Thomas Muller so great, that Thomas Muller is a Bayern fan and 
I think we've mentioned it a number of times. There's that picture of a very, very young Corentin Tolisso wearing an old Bayern kit. And and it's the same with Sabitzer as well. And while he is disappointed this season, you know that he's not doing it because he just doesn't care. It's like it's something that's kind of somewhat out of his control. Like it's so great to have players at the club that genuinely like the club uh, and and have supported it for for such a long time. But the the conversation around his his injuries and and his availability. I think it's too, it's just too common and too frequent to think, yeah, okay, let's, uh, let's continue because he's doing, he's done well um, over the past couple of weeks or so. I think that we've had this conversation so many times with Ribery and Robin and, and I I was about to say badge duper, but I think that's not a good example but uh, in particular with with players like Ribery and Robin, when we could see what they could do, and they were so fantastic, two of the best wingers uh, of of like the last of the last generation, fantastic players. But their availability was the problem. And I, I was I was talking with somebody about this earlier today, how just because you're available, uh, like just because you're fantastic when you're available, doesn't mean that you're fantastic all the time especially when you are as injury prone as uh, as Ribery and Robin were and it, as Corentin Tolisso is. Um, th- this is something that we've we've seen pretty much every year since he's um, since he's joined where he's he looks great, he gets injured, he comes back, he struggles, he looks great again, he gets injured again, scores a banger, gets injured, comes back, looks good, gets injured again. It's it's very frustrating because you ha- you have to after a while say you can't just bank on him like oh maybe next year he'll be com- he'll be fit from day one until the very end because that's just that's not going to happen like it didn't happen with Ribery and Robin and well actually I'd say for them it's like a slightly different situation because they were so significantly better than some of the other options available but at the same time it's such a risk going forward knowing that somebody is going to miss, well, with River and Robin, they both missed three years of their buying career due to injuries. Like, you can't account for that. And it's it's so, yeah, I guess it's kind of difficult to think, oh, yeah, but he is good now. But what if he signs this, like, a five-year extension and then in two weeks' time does his ACL again or picks up another injury uh, like maybe not one that takes him out for a, for another year, but you know he has that propensity. Like it is, it's almost definitely going to happen again, and I, I don't think that you can you can count on that. I, I think if he's if he's willing to know that he is just a backup, then fine, I guess. But even then, like he doesn't necessarily offer anything that isn't found in other players. Like, okay, so he'll score a banger every season. That's great. That's one goal out of, I don't know, what should be about 100 from like from other people in the team. Like, it's not, there isn't enough of a guarantee that he'll be available um, because there are so many other players in the squad that have issues with, with injury, like Coman, Gnabry, Sane, and, and Goretzka now, it's becoming, that's becoming more of an issue. We can't afford to have another one added to that just because he's played 
ad- admittedly and almost objectively quite well over the last few weeks. I think it's too much. It's too much for a risk, and I get that injuries are are part of it and something that you can't really account for. Like my my one of my favorite players of all time, Sebastian Deisler, didn't make it past twenty seven in his career or twenty eight, I think, because there were so many bad injuries. And I think when he retired, Hernis said, like, we're not going to cancel the contract until like it, like, I think he had like two or three years left on his, on his contract. And Hernis said, we'll just keep it available. If he wants to come back, then, then fantastic. But he'll, he'll retire. I think that that's like a different circumstance for this. It's just a matter of there are other players that can offer what he can, but potentially do it better and more frequently throughout the season, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Garrett, Sebastian, I guess, would either of y'all be able to put forward an argument for uh, keeping Taliso, or would you be, you know, in favor of just kind of letting him go, like Tim says? I'm kind of with you guys there. I think it's reasonable to let him go. Maybe this is going to be a better opportunity now for us to uh, maybe uh, uh, get something out of that, or, of course, for him just to have a better chance uh, at a better career somewhere else, I would say. Um, mostly, I, I would also want to add here that there are just other options on the table here because we still have, of course, Roka, we have Sabitza. We are, we are not, of course, not ready to give up on Sabitza. Even if he hasn't been brilliant yet, he's going to be part of the squad. There's no doubt about that. And Roka has also looked pretty good now that we needed him. So I would not say that Tolisso has looked better than him or anything. They both have looked good, I would say. And Roca is still a bit younger and probably more the type of player uh, we we could use. I think he fits better with what we already have. Um, so, yeah, not much of a reason. Of course, also the injury thing you, you mentioned before. I think you can have a couple of injury-prone guys on your squad, but you really need to be careful to not have too many of them there's just kind of a critical mass where this just gets too much and where you need to start to be a bit careful with that and i don't think he's worth that and of course we are probably also going to talk about uh, this being a good opportunity for certain other additions possibly it's not the worst time to be looking for a central midfielder i would say and i guess we can we will also talk about that now or pretty soon yeah, no, we, we can go ahead and talk about it, and I'll kind of go back to you, Sebastian. Uh, the big name that's been thrown around recently is uh, Dennis Zakaria. I believe that's how you say it. He's um, definitely on his way out of Gladbach. Really, the only question is, is he leaving this winter or is he leaving in the summer? Uh, and recent reports from, from sources in Germany, Christian Falk namely, says that Bayern are really interested. They want to sign him before he agrees to go to uh, Man United or he agrees to go maybe to Dortmund or somewhere else. And so... I guess my question is, do you think that Zakaria is um, a good replacement, I guess, for Quentin Tolisso? Uh, and do you think he's worth it to the point that we should even consider signing him this winter? Yeah, I think um, this is definitely a good opportunity. If we want this guy, now definitely is the time. Uh, now being either right now or this summer. Uh, and I think he's probably, despite other... Uh, teams being interested in signing him, I think this would still be an okay deal. I think nobody is going to do crazy things to get him. Uh, so yeah, I, I would I would say he's probably less injury prone, 
he also comes uh, with the with the advantage that he can play center back, which is also definitely a plus in my book. I would say, um, and he's also more of this well holding kind of def uh, of midfielder that we are kind of missing because we don't really have a guy where we can say he's the new Javi Martinez or anything. And I guess Sakaria is definitely more this kind of player than any of the guys we already have on the team. So this is looking pretty good. I, I'm not like a huge fan or anything. It's not a guy where I say, uh, whatever he's going to cost, you need to get him or anything. Or like he's the most perfect fit that I've ever seen. But he's going to be reasonably priced and he's going to be the type of player we definitely could use. He knows the Bundesliga. He's kind of the right age to me. He's not very young at, uh, I think, 25, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's not a guy where you say, okay, we need to be careful. Uh, we need to build him up slowly or anything. But he's also a long way away from getting old in any uh, shape or form. So this is a good fit, I would say, and definitely comes with a number of advantages over Tolisso, while probably not being that much more expensive, really. Yeah, Gero, uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on the matter, um, not only just Tolisso, but specifically also Zakaria and uh, whether or not you'd like to see him should Tolisso be gone? He, he seems like a guy that, that Byron have actually liked quite a bit for a few years now. And I remember his name coming up back when uh, in Kovac's uh, first year or second year. I can't remember which, but I remember his name was, was definitely floated about. Um, and, and he's, he's an interesting guy too, because he's a real long uh, player and, and actually reminds me, a little bit of uh, of Goretzka before the pandemic and, and uh, when Goretzka got huge, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, if he could put on the put on the weight and muscle uh, sim in a similar fashion. But um, I, I I'd like to see Bayern uh, end up with uh, Zakaria. I think I think he's like you guys have said. I mean, I'm not going to say much. New. He's a good player, good defensive midfielder, and and we love a good defensive midfielder. Um, but but I I'm kind of in the same spot as uh, as Sebastian here too, where I guess I would prefer to just wait and see what happens um, in the summer because he's the kind of player that I'd love to have on Bayern, but I also won't be devastated to see Bayern miss out on him. Um, because I hesitate to, to say he's not a special player, but, but I don't see him as coming in and immediately demanding, um, by his play to, to be a, a in the starting 11 week in and week out. So, um, yeah, I, I think they should, they should kick the tires if it's not going to be, if it's not going to cost them hardly anything to get him in this winter. Um, and then, you know, sign him for longer than go for it, I guess. Um, but otherwise, I'd just wait and see if you can get him on a free in the summer. Um, but as far as Toliso, it's kind of same same deal as what you guys are talking. I would I would love to see Byron um, just kind of float out there and just say, "Hey, would you like to stick around for 
another like another year. Let's extend it by another year. Um, just while we're dealing with all these different injury issues and, and with all the COVID stuff, um, it wouldn't hurt to, to have a guy like that, that you can plug in. Um, but like you guys said, uh, you just, you just can't at this point in his career, you can't rely on him being healthy. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think probably more than looking to extend him, you have to look at this run of good form as, as a way to, to maybe market him to some, uh, some teams out there and see if someone will, uh, will pay you uh, a little bit. So you, you don't walk away with nothing um, at the end of the year. While we're, uh, while we're on the topic of, I guess, potentially free transfers, it is the transfer window. So a lot of stuff's been floating around. Another name that's been thrown out is Andreas Christensen from uh, Chelsea and, we kind of talked about that in the chat, and Tim, you seemed a little bit more uh, enthusiastic. So maybe you could tell us what do you see in Christensen that you think uh, warrants Bayern really pursuing him, um, and do you think that he's a Nicolas Sula replacement, or is that is he a, maybe the type of player that you kind of hope Bayern pursue, um, whether Nicolas Sula decides to stay or not? I just like him. Uh, I, there's nothing in particular about him that kind of stands out as like, oh yeah, I got to get that guy. It's, I think he's just a, I think he's just like a very good player. Um, I, I wish I could offer more in terms of like a nuanced opinion about, you know, the way that he carries the ball, like the way that he, the way that he moves, the way he goes into tackles. I just like him. He seems calm. He seems, uh, he seems responsible, which is something that Bayern dearly lacking uh, at times this season um I, I would love i think i've mentioned before i would love for nicolas sula to stay at bayern i think that's one of the most expensive extent um no not expensive potentially if he was to go to newcastle it would be expensive but it's one of the most important extensions i should say um that that bayern should be uh, should be working on right now um i'm i'm all for sula staying i think on his day, he's fantastic, and his day happens more frequently than than it doesn't. Um, but as for as for Christensen, I'd love for him to come in in addition to that. Um, I, I I do really like him. I think he's he's capable of playing in a in a back three. I know it was like I think it was under Conte that he really came into his own as a um, as like a regular for Chelsea. Um, no, I'm I'm all for it. I, I think he's I think he's great and has Bundesliga experience. Because obviously he um, stayed at Gladbach for two seasons, I think, on on loan a few years ago. Um, but no, big fan, very big fan of Christensen. Yeah, uh, Garrett, Sebastian, any thoughts on on Christensen? Um, and I ask mostly because he's not really a player that I know very well. Um, that I. If I'm honest, I always kind of get him mixed up with Victor Lindelof, at least in my head. Um, they're both from a Scandinavian country and uh, play in the Premier League, so I guess I guess that's basically it. But uh, any thoughts on, on Christensen? I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on him other than from what I remember uh, when he was at Gladbach. I remember thinking um, Gladbach are going to want to make that loan permanent. I thought he is a good player and um, and yeah, if we can, if, if Byron can get him on a free, then I'm all for it. I mean, it's not very often you're getting, uh, real, um, 
top level center back um, with a, he's got he's got some experience playing right back as well. Um, if you can get that on a free, then that's that. I think that's a win for Bayern. But uh, the the price tag on what he's going to be asking for wages, I don't know. But but as as far as a fit for Bayern, I think he I think he'd fit right in and um, and and really help make that back line a little bit more um, firm and, and 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 help help us out quite a bit. Sebastian, do you have something to say about Christensen? Yeah, I guess as uh, I think uh, in terms of what type of player he is, uh, he's definitely not he's definitely not bad. I think he's definitely the type of uh, he's definitely the level of player I would like. Uh, but I kind of feel I would maybe prefer uh, to have one of the two things uh, that I'm going to mention, which is either him being uh, a German player because I think it's always helpful to well keep a number of German players on every well part of the field basically uh so i think it it would be nice to get a german guy if we're going to lose a german defender i think that would be good ideally um of course uh getting rüdiger would be a bit tough i think i might prefer him actually because he's also more similar to zula i guess he kind of uh fulfills a similar role uh, in the back line He's more of an aggressive player. He's well. He's uh, in terms of stature. He's kind of uh, more uh, comparable to Zula, I feel. Um, and I also wanted to mention that the I guess the other option uh, that Bayern is apparently pursuing right now is Nico Schlotterbeck. I guess it could also be interesting. Uh, I think in terms of character, you cannot go wrong uh, with getting a Freiburg player because if they wouldn't hadn't uh, wouldn't be kind of of a good character i think they wouldn't uh, wouldn't be at freiburg very long uh they they wouldn't get many starts on under under streich so maybe that's another option uh, we should consider i suppose i guess the the downside with schlotterbeck though is that his contract doesn't expire until next summer uh, and so I guess the main upside with Christensen, other than than him being you know a great player and having Bundesliga experience, is the fact that he uh, he would be able to be signed for free. Whereas Schlotterbeck, who is undoubtedly a great center back, uh, would would cost a little bit there um, as well. Uh, but like I said, as we wrap up, one more topic to talk about, uh, and of course that is none other than the Afcon legend Bunasar, who is uh, having a pretty pretty excellent tournament with Senegal at the Africa Cup of Nations um and so <laughs> Tim I asked this kind of kind of tongue in cheek but do you think that this you know incredible tournament performance could change his future at the club maybe we see him uh staying long term no uh, <laughs> I no I I don't think so um I'm happy for him I'll I can say that I think it's it's so great that he's uh that he's performing well because I, I was I was reading up on him. I know that he he spent his whole career in France, and I thought that he would initially look to get called up by the French national team. Turns out it was the Guinea national team. Um, so shout out Pablo Tiam for that. That's a former Bayern player. I think he won number six. I can't remember. It's from years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I'm glad that he's like making a name for himself in what is objectively like a very good national team. But 
at the same time, it's what three, four games maximum, I think, out of a number. Like I, I remember watching him at Marseille, and I, I didn't think that he was particularly good there. I was very disappointed to see that Bayern bought him and gave him a four-year contract. That's a that's a very long time. But you know, I'm I'm happy for him, but it's difficult to judge anything. Or I may, perhaps it's better to say it's short-sighted to judge a player based on a cup competition because it's, you know, if you can perform well over over a league, like over an entire year, over 30-plus games, putting in really good performances, then that's one thing. But having a couple of good performances in the group stage of a, of a cup game I, I don't know that doesn't that doesn't do it for me but I'm I'm glad that he's doing well but I can't see him staying long well honestly if this is what gives him the confidence uh, to convince him that there's more he can make out of his career than uh letting his contract at Bayern run out uh then yeah he's very welcome to do that I guess I don't think he has a future here absolutely not so yeah As I said, if this is what, what convinces him that it might be worth doing something else, then, uh, well, staying here for the remainder of his contract, very good. Well, yeah, and to kind of add on to that, and I think um, to add on to it and, and speak a little bit more to that, I'm hoping this is something where other clubs will see him and pursue signing him, actually, you know, kind of go after him. Because I think that part of the reason he's still at Bayern is maybe a lack of interest from other teams, the lack of interest to... I know that his wages at Bayern are something people aren't going to want to pay, but I don't think anyone's interested in really paying any sort of fee. Um, so I'll echo what Tim said, good for him, and then also echo Sebastian. You know, hopefully this helps convince other clubs that he's a player that could, you know, come and play for a, a low to mid table team and do a decent job, and then also help him realize that he's not going to go anywhere with Bayern probably, but he could do something uh, of note at a different club. And so um, I guess we'll see how that plays out. But that's all the time that we have uh, for this episode. So if you've enjoyed listening today, or if you're a regular fan of the podcast and you haven't done this already, uh, please do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways that you can do that. You can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com. Uh, and if you haven't done this already, go over and follow us on Twitter. We are really trying to be a, a lot better about staying active over there. So uh, give us a follow Uh, get in touch with us there. Um, all of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're probably going to be there. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends and we'll talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.